0: good morning um today's reading is from psalm 103 page 485 of your church bible if you have one praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the opposed. Pressed, He made known his ways to Moses, but deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not trust us as our sins deserve, treat us as our sins deserve, and repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field." The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and in its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with, the, with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to, to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you you, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen.
1: The new guy dropping the ball. <laughs> might just move this out of the way. It is so great to uh, finally be in Brisbane with you all, and I am very excited about getting into the Psalms uh, to start the year. So, if you have a Bible in front of you and you like looking in your Bible and following along, please keep it open at Psalm 103. If not, um, the passages will be on the screen for you if that's more convenient. But Uh, let's get into Psalm 103 and I'm going to pray for us before we do. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who has made yourself known. You've made yourself known uh, to Israel in the past through men like Moses and the prophets, but to us, you have made yourself known through your son Jesus who is the perfect image of you who reveals you fully and finally to us and so father we pray that as we look at this psalm that you would remind us of your son jesus that we might get a better picture of who you are and that we might stand back in awe of you father that you would kick off our year being in awe of you because of not just who you are but also who you are to us as our father the God who has forgiven us for our sins. And so, Lord, uh, prepare our hearts to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've ever uh, ventured uh, north to the sunny coast, it would have been hard to miss... Um, well, if you made it as far as Coulomb Beach, that is, it would have been hard to miss Mount Coolum. Now, for me, it was impossible to miss uh, because growing up, I lived very close to the base of Mount Coulomb. And every time I went out, I'd be confronted with this massive rock. And the closer and closer you got to it, you know, its sheer greatness and beauty kind of overshadows you and you can't help but just be in awe of it. And you find yourself you know, giving your attention to it as you're driving along, you know, bending your neck over the steering wheel, looking up just to see it, just to get a better picture of it. Now, you find yourself giving your time and energy to it as you climb it and enjoy it. Or, what is that? What I mean, it's a sense of wonder. It's those moments of profound wow. But the thing is, over time, that sense of awe weakens. Eventually, Mount Coulomb, it just becomes another thing. You pass on your way to work. When you went to the beach, when you went to school. (coughs) I'm sure there are things in your life that once captured the awe of your heart that you no longer give two thoughts about. You know, like perhaps that wow moment when you first fell in love with your husband or wife. But now you spent years with them and you're well acquainted with you know the sights, sounds, and smells and they don't seem so, wow, anymore. And maybe it's the kids' first steps or your grandkids' first steps that just amazed you, just wonderful. But now that they're running a rings around you and breaking things in the house, not so great. But what happens? How do we explain that? Well, artists, they call it a visual lethargy. It's, it's when you quit seeing things. It's our failure to see, and when we quit seeing, we quit being in awe. know the beauty that once attracted us is still there. We just no longer see it. And we can't be in awe of something that we no longer see. But losing our awe of something like Malcolm, let's face it, in the big scheme of things, it really isn't that big of a deal. But the question is, what happens when... We lose our awe of God. What happens when that happens with our relationship with him? Because this, this is what Psalm 103 is all about. King David is feeling and experiencing a loss of his awe of God. And so we're not alone in this. We're not the first to face it. We're not the first to feel it. We're not the first to experience this. And let's face it, if you're anything like me, there are moments in life where we do lose our awe of God when it is weak, when at best, sadly, we are indifferent to God. You know, it's like having an empty water tank in the middle of summer when you want to be refreshed or, you know, maybe your own you know, personal water tank that is running low and you just need to be refreshed, but there's nothing there. You're empty. There's moments in life where our awe of God tank is low, is empty. There's seasons in life where for whatever reason we've quit seeing God. We suffer from a visual lethargy of God, and we can't be in awe of God if we don't see him. And just notice how Psalm 103 begins with King David calling to himself to be in awe of God. See verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. The vibe we get is that King David, he's suffering from his own visual lethargy of God. His ore tank of God is running low. And so David speaks to himself and David says, praise the Lord. Notice that David isn't directing his words to God. He's not saying, praise you, Lord. David isn't even telling Israel or anybody else to praise God He's addressing himself. You can see it there. Praise the Lord, my soul. My soul. David's desired heart response is to praise God. To rightly respond to who God is and what God has done in his life. David wants a heart, you could say, that feels the weight of who God is. He wants a heart that is wholeheartedly in honour and in glory and in worship of God. Or to put it in other words, he wants to be wholeheartedly in awe of God. But for whatever reason, David's awe of God tank is empty. He's quit seeing God. And as a result, he's quit being in awe of God. So, so how... How will King David be refreshed in his awe of God? And for that matter, for us, how can we be refreshed in our awe of God? Well, we're going to say that David remembers the benefits of the gospel. Just notice in verse 2 that King David, he refreshes his awe of God by remembering God's grace. Verse 2 Pick it up with me again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not. David says, don't forget. Don't forget all that God has done for you. Don't forget all that God has accomplished in your life. David reminds himself of the benefits of being in relationship with God. You know, these aren't awards like some official payment or reward owing to David because of something that he's done. No, these are benefits. They're gained, gifts, and given because of David's relationship with God. David is reminding himself of nothing other than God's grace. You know, so a long time ago, um, when I was playing rugby league um, over at Winter Manly at the beginning of every season uh, to refresh the fans' uh, Interest in the teams, we'd have trial matches against either uh, the Brisbane Broncos or the Gold Coast Titans. And being in the under-20s, you know, we just play the the, uh, the curtain raisers, you know. But for once, we'd kind of get a decent crowd, right? And everyone packed in to see the Brisbane Broncos or the Gold Coast Titans play the Queensland Cup team. The thing is, uh, they were not there to see me. That's for sure, you know. They were there to see the big game, the big team, and I just benefited from being associated or belonging to uh, the winner manly seagulls. You see, David isn't reminding himself of his rewardability. David's mind is clearly on the benefits, the grace, that he's received from being in relationship with God. It's about God for David. And David reminds himself of God's graciousness. So what are the benefits? of being in relationship with God. Well, just look how specific David gets in verses 2 to 5. The first benefit that comes to David's mind in verse 3 is of God's forgiveness of all of his sin, or iniquity, it might read in your Bible. What David is saying here is um, that his sin, all those moments uh, that he has rejected and resisted God in his life, All those moments where he did something in God's eyes that he shouldn't have, all those moments that he didn't do something in God's eyes um, that he should have, all of his sins have been forgiven. And notice the nature of that forgiveness it's unqualified, it's all, it's total forgiveness. Next in verses 4 and 5, you know, David again reminds himself of the benefits of God's redemption and renewal in his life, or in other words, how God has rescued and refreshed him physically and spiritually. You know, God has redeemed or rescued David when he's had one foot in the grave. God has renewed and refreshed David's life, both spiritually and physically, with God's goodness. David recognises that all of these things are evidences of God's loving grace in his life. And so we come to the question, how can we be refreshed in our awe of God? Well, like David, we too can look to the evidences of God's grace that has come to us personally in Jesus. In the New Testament, Paul reminds Christians like us in his letter to the Ephesians uh, to see how amazing God's grace is. He says to them, Uh, In uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and and 7 and 8, he says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. So be refreshed by remembering what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. In other words, remember the gospel and believe the gospel. And that because of Jesus, God's forgiveness of your sins is absolute, it's full, it's total. In that God doesn't just forgive you for your past sins. He forgives you for your sins in the present. But get this, even the sins that you haven't even got to yet, because of Jesus, God not only looks on you as if you had never sinned, but that you had always obeyed. That is amazing grace. So preach to yourself. Remind yourself of the good news of Jesus and be like David, as a good example, as specific as you can be, that in Christ all your guilt is forgiven, that in Christ all your shame has been washed away, that in Christ our sin-diseased hearts have been healed, that in Christ your life is redeemed and rescued from sin and death, that in Christ your life is crowned with God's mercy and love, that in Christ your heart has been satisfied with every spiritual blessing. And so for me, uh, lately, you know, I have been feeling this. I've been feeling that my awe of God tank is running low. You know, when I feel this, you know, I have to hold the gospel out to myself. And here's the thing. This happens so often for me that I have to build into my life a bit of a habit of doing that or else I find... I just keep getting low. You know, and so I try and do a few things. You know, I've got a little card you know, that I write, just a small gospel message on that I just read every day that reminds me of God's gospel. Now, here's a little bit for you. Um, you know, I was in slavery to sin under the sentence of death, but God redeemed me and he has set me free through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. When Christ died, I also died and was buried with him, putting an end to futile living for myself, I've been risen with Christ, and I have a new life with him. You know Another less, far less successful attempt. You know It's just to memorize you know, one or two verses of, of the Bible that really captures the gospel. When it comes to being full of awe of God, let me tell you, I am a work in progress, and I wish I could stand here and tell you that I have nailed this. But like everything else in the Christian life, I haven't which is why we need to keep coming back to the gospel. But the other thing we need to realise is that it's very hard to manage your emotions, particularly in relationship with God. And what's very comforting about Psalm 103 is that the, this experience, the Bible anticipates. It's expecting that we'll have that experience, It will feel like this at some point. And it gives us words to say when we have no words of our own. And so it would be unrealistic to say that we as, we as Christians should never have this feeling of a loss of awe of God because the psalm assumes that we do. But what's important is how we make sense of what we do in these Christian experiences. And so it's necessary for us to realise that we must be going back to the Gospel. Because as we hold the Gospel before ourselves, we're holding God before our eyes, we're holding God's love, His grace, and His mercy to us in Jesus, and boy, isn't He awesome. The Gospel, the good news of Jesus, that refreshes our awe of God. But here's the thing, David doesn't just stop here. He doesn't just stop at remembering God's grace to him, He looks at the unfolding story of the Bible, the unfolding story of the gospel, and he sees that God's grace has always been there for God's people. David remembers the story of the gospel. In verses 6 to 19, David seeks to refresh his awe of God by remembering God's grace to his people, Israel. You can see it there in verses 7 to 12. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David reflects on how God, over time, has revealed himself to Israel. That's God's Old Testament people. And God's actions have revealed himself to be a God of compassion and grace. Or in other words, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. You know, or to put it even another way, a God who doesn't give people what they deserve for their sins. Remember that? Uh, that sin is our resistance and rejection of God. But God gives people what they don't deserve, forgiveness of sin and a loving relationship with him. And just take a moment just to sit back and just notice the pictures that David paints here of who God is. First one, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Now, kids, I don't know if you have this book at home, uh, but it's just like uh, that children's book, Guess How Much I Love You. I wonder if you've, you've read it before or if you've got it at home. Guess how much I love you. What's the answer that is given? <laughs> I love you to the moon and back. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I'll pick up the next picture with me that David paints. As far as the east is from the west, uh, so far has he removed uh, our sins from us. Let's just think about that one for a moment. It's different from saying uh, as far as the north is from the south. Because as far as I'm aware, we measure the north and south by the north and south poles. There's a point where kind of north stops and south begins. Oh, yeah, north and south stop. And there's a point that we measure to. There's a point where it stops. But it's different when we talk about East and West because they just keep going. They're immeasurable. You just can't get any further apart. And all of this is to paint a picture of God's fatherly love towards his people and in verse 13 to 18 this picture of god as a loving father is filled in a bit more as god a loving father who understands who knows and who remembers his people he remembers their weakness and their brevity of life he says for he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust the life of mortals is like grass uh, like they they flower oh sorry they flourish like a flower of the field the wind blows over it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. See, so God faces the reality of his people's weakness and messiness. God is a God who knows and chooses to show his everlasting love and mercy to messy and undeserving people. And David looks back on the unfolding story of Israel, and he takes notice of how, God, how the evidence of God's grace... Is this woven absolutely throughout it all? <clears throat> the most obvious moment that we look back to to see the evidence of God's grace in our history is the story of the gospel, the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. In the New Testament, Paul uh, wants Christians like us in Rome <clears throat> to remember this unfolding story of the gospel. He wants them to be confronted with the truth that God knows their weakness, messiness, and ugliness. And yet he has chosen to love. That's the story of the cross, as Romans 5, uh, verses 6 to 8 uh, says. Paul says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still weak and powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But don't forget us. This is God's work in our life. We're not saved into isolation. We're saved into a community, a church family, into a body of people who have all received and experienced God's saving grace in Jesus. So again, the question comes to us, how can we be refreshed in our awe of God? Well, we look to the evidence of God's grace that has come to one another. So be refreshed in your awe of God by noticing the impact of the gospel in the people sitting next to you. We can look and see the story of the gospel at work through our church. We can look and see how God has rescued people from their sins and brought them into a relationship with Him and has been changing them to make them more like Him. And, you know, I've had the privilege of hearing some of the stories, and I can't wait to hear more. I <clears throat> can't wait also to be here with you to be together impacted by the gospel as we do life together. So, you can look, you can just stop and just look around this room and just notice that we have all been caught up in this awesome unfolding story of the gospel. Because, like we looked at before, when we hold the gospel before our eyes, we're holding the God of the gospel before our eyes, we're holding his love his grace and his mercy. Because the gospel refreshes our awe of God. But I wonder, as you have been following along, have you noticed that this has been David's experience? Have you noticed that as David has reflected on the gospel, his awe uh, of God tank has been filling up? David, uh, Re- David's response is awe, in awe of God because as David has been reflecting on the gospel, as he's been holding it out before him, he puts his finger on the response of awe. David says that those who know and belong to God respond to him with fear. You know, This comes through in verses yeah, 8, 13 and, um, 11, 13 and 7. They feel the weight of who God is and what he's done. Or in other words, they are in awe of God. And the awe of God is seen in a life of listening to and loving God. Or in David's words, as he puts it in verse 18, keeping the covenant, keeping God's covenant. And as David has been holding out the gospel for himself, he too is provoked to an awe-filled response to God. And he's calling out to all creation to praise God, to be in awe of God. And what we find is uh, that the psalm ends in verses 20 to 22 the same way that it began, but with a difference. There's a different vibe. David at the beginning, he was calling out to himself to praise God because he had a lack of awe of God. But here, it's different. David is calling out to all creation, to everybody else, because he feels it, because he has it, because he's in awe of God. Just listen to what he says. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, you who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion praise the Lord my soul it's like it's supposed to go back to the start and we keep going through it again but the thing is when we just look at David's life and Israel and the story of the Bible it becomes quite plain that it is far from a story of wholehearted awe of God, right? But like we looked at at the start, sadly, we can be no different. So we must, again, be mindful of the whole gospel in that not only did Jesus die for the forgiveness of our sins, but Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. And if we're being brutally honest, sometimes we just flat out are pretty indifferent to live. Jesus lived a wholehearted life of awe of God. So it's also because of Jesus' faithfulness that God not only looks on us as if we'd never sinned, but that we had always obeyed because Jesus did. So be refreshed in awe of God by being mindful of the gospel. Remember the good news of Jesus' life lived in an awe of God in your place, for you. And dying to forgive us for the times when we resist and reject being in awe of him. So, in light of the gospel, will you dare to be in awe of God? Will you dare to uh, to give yourself to fully listening to him? Will you give yourself to fully loving him? Will you give yourself to fully... Living for him. You know, one approach of living in awe of God in the everyday you know, moments and moments of life is just to ask a simple question to ourselves. Well, first to remember something simple and then ask a question. Something like this. Because I belong to Jesus, what does it look like for me to display Jesus in this moment? Something simple. So be refreshed in your awe of God in 2019 by remembering and believing the gospel. Because the gospel refreshes our awe of God. Remember, as we hold the gospel up before ourselves, we are holding the God of the gospel up before ourselves. And he is a God of love, grace and mercy. Who in Jesus... Looks on us as if we had never sinned and as if we had always obeyed. And man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that something to be in awe of? That we belong to a God like that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would uh, take uh, your word to us and plant it deeply in our hearts, that, Father, as we have held the gospel up before ourselves this morning, that you would be filling our awe of you tanks up, that you would fuel our lives, Father, that you would restore and refresh our spiritual vitality, that we would live lives in awe of you. Father, we pray this, that, Father, others would see how awesome you are, that others, Father, that you've placed in our lives might come to know and see your awesome love, grace and mercy and that they might come to be in awe of you too. But, Father, keep us from quit seeing you, that we might be in awe of you. Father, we want to see you and, Father, help us to see that clearly in the gospel so that we would live lives in awe of you. Amen.